Thank you, Brother Eric. It's good to see everybody again today. If you have your Bibles, you can open to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. I feel like this is a good place to, um, to just take just a moment to thank our staff. And uh, our staff, y'all, does an amazing job. They are team players that work hard, and uh, especially our, our tech and media staff during these days when uh, so much of what we do is live stream and technical, and I don't even speak the language. Uh, that's, that's when God puts together a team that can put church on um, in different ways. And so staff and, and our media team, we thank you guys so much for what y'all do. Uh, we're grateful for you. Amen. Grateful for you for sure. Uh, this is, um, these are strange times. I mean, this is di- different days for sure. And uh, as we uh, as we move from last week to this week, this is our second week, uh, kind of being back at it, and we're really just getting started. Amen. So uh, it's it's good to be back. But the number of coronavirus cases in our state continues to rise because the state continues to open up. And now we're back to church. We're back to the ball fields. We're back to well, Lowe's and Walmart always been open, but we're back to all of these different things right now. And uh, as many of you know, and some of you may not know, but as many of you already know, we had a single person from our 8 a.m. service last week to test positive from an unrelated gathering. It's important for us to tell you that. Uh, one, because you, you can pray for people, as you can imagine, whether or not they are symptomatic, they are beginning to experience all the emotions that come with that. And so uh, since receiving that word, we, we I'll ask you to pray for them, but to pray that God would continue to protect us. And, and be honest with you, it's, it's amazing to me that um, a group this size, we've not experienced things in, in a larger portion, I guess you'd say. And so uh, we're, we're thankful for how God has, has protected us, but we also are trusting God to use us during these days. And so uh, since receiving this word, we, we made efforts to contact personally everybody in the 8 a.m. service that we could uh, while getting the rest of the word out to the rest of the church through connect groups. And so we wanted to make you aware of this. But if this is the first time that you're hearing of this, um, or that maybe you've known for a few days, this is the reason why we're slowly returning to church in phases. This is the reason why we are slow to bring back Sunday school and children's programming and Wednesday nights. This is the reason why we're cleaning before and after each service. And so we had a team of folks that were cleaning before you got here uh, this morning after the 8 a.m. service. And this is the reason why we're asking you to continue to be considerate of each other. And so whether or not you think there's anything to this, uh, we would ask that you be considerate to those that do. And, uh, and, and do, uh, just consider, uh, social distancing and all that. I even get tired of saying those words. You probably get tired of hearing them, don't you? Uh, but this is why we are doing the things that we're doing. And so, uh, we plan to continue to have worship, uh, until the, the risk may be greater than we think, uh, that we should make an adjustment. So I would say, uh, let's, I want to keep that before you. If there's an announcement to be made about adjustments to be made, we'll get around that table. We'll seek God for wisdom. We'll make a plan and we'll get it to you. But, uh, that being said, I'm so glad to see you for real. Like, I'm really glad to see you. And I think everybody's ready to get back. And we just want to be wise and faithful in doing so. Uh, and we're going to pray in just a moment. I'd also ask you to pray because this, this afternoon, this evening, I've been uh, asked to be a part of a unity prayer gathering at Athens High School at 5 o'clock. And uh, myself and, uh, and some other um, leaders from around the community are going to be there and sharing for just a few minutes, praying over our community uh, in the days that we're going through. And so if you'd like to uh, be present and stand with us, you're welcome to do that. 
It's at the pavilion next to the new Athens Middle School. And so I'd uh, love to have you there for that. But that's going on today. And I would just ask that you pray over that, pray over our city, pray over our county as, uh, as we have a, an opportunity during this time to, uh, to speak truth to a world that's listening. Uh, I really believe that if we are to unify in any way, shape, or form as, as any kind of people, that's going to be underneath the banner of Jesus Christ. There, there has to be uh, unity around a common bond, and God has given us that. And so just continue to pray for our city, be a, be a part of the solution as, uh, as we move forward. So let's, let's pray over those things now as we get to Matthew chapter 7. Lord, we are indeed grateful that you would allow us to have another chance to come together, to worship, to sing together, to see each other. Lord, we see how valuable your church is. God, I thank you so much for the people that have volunteered their time this morning. Thank you, Lord, for those that are here. Lord, we pray for those that could not be here this morning. We pray for those that are um, even in caution and uh, they are, are, are seeking to wait a little bit longer. We thank you for them. Thank you, Lord, for them tuning in to live stream. God, we are, again, grateful for uh, how you've given us the organization that is the church. And Lord, may we never forget uh, how we value it when it's, it's not uh, a weekly part of the thing that we do. Lord, we pray over today. We pray that your word would... Speak clearly, Spirit of God, that you would guide us into all truth. We pray over the gathering this evening. We pray over the gathering today and pray that you would unify us underneath the power and truth of your word. Lord, protect us, we pray, in these days. We certainly pray that you would take care of us, and we thank you for how you are. We pray for those, Lord, that that are experiencing sickness and are experiencing stress, and we pray for them today. But, Lord, we also pray that you would use us. Use us now, Lord, for your glory that we would be light and salt in this world. Uh, Lord, and we just, uh, again, pray for opportunities to share the truth. We thank you, Lord, for how you've brought us here today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is the second part of our series called Build This House, as we are looking to provide foundation for the structures that we build, foundation for the structures that, that we are part of, of building up over, over time that will outlast us, part of the structures that we're building up to be successful and that make a difference. And last week, we, we began the series in calling our attention to, to look at the master builder, to look at who's designing your structure, to look at who could design your structure, and to call on God to be a part of everything that we are a part of building up. And in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 4, we explored the scripture that every house has a builder, but the one who built everything, the Bible says, is God. That's real simple, real serious. The one who built everything is God. And we would allow, if we would do well to allow God to shape our structures, to shape the design of the way that we do things. We would do well to, to seek God and to hear from God about how to do what we do. And I would even encourage us to, when we consider who we are, we consider our own labels, I would encourage us to think less of ourselves as conservative or liberal and think more of ourselves as needing to be biblical. Now, I, I want to say that again because sometimes we have to say that twice so it washes through some of the things that we, we see the world through certain lenses. So it would be better for us to, rather than considering ourselves conservative or liberal, to think about how we are needing to be biblical in front of the world in front of us. I may add a graphic to this at some point, but right now in our world, there seems to be on all kinds of issues dividing lines that go this way. There are things that divide us all, divide us as a nation, divide us as a community. Sometimes they divide us in church, etc. divide even our families, the people that we love, and they look like this. There's two lines that run up and down that just look like this, and whatever you want to put on this side or this side, we're divided right in the middle. And sometimes we side with one of these two. 
when really what we need to do is side with this one that goes above it. And this is the perspective of God. Their truth lives right here. And, and then that's where we make our decisions from. That's the way we build our structures. Do y'all know that wisdom comes from God? Wisdom comes from truth and truth comes from God. Amen. And so in, in order for us to build up structures, to be a part of things that are going to bring glory to God, that work for the good of man, that are going to last, that are going to be built to code, we can't do this. We've got to seek this. We've got to seek God above all. So with that, let's turn to Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. That's the second time or third time I've mentioned the scripture, and we're still not going to read it yet. I know you're there, but hold on. Because there's a theological issue that we need to deal with or at least put to the forefront of the message before we actually read the scripture that's going to lead us into thinking about what we're hearing. Now, I want to read this statement to you, and I'm going to read it very carefully, and I'm going to mention it three or four different times today because it's very important for when we actually do get to the scripture, and we will, I promise. But here's the statement. The weight of these words that you are about to read in the scripture and the impact that they have depends upon who you believe the author to be. Say that one more time. The weight of the words that we're about to read and the impact that they have on your life depends upon who you believe the author to be. Now, Jesus made claims before the world that he is God. Jesus didn't make claims that he was like God or a manifestation of God. This is, this is Jesus making claims to the audience that he's in front of that he is God. Divine and eternal. That he is the one. Yes, fully man and that God took on form of human flesh to come into the world to live a real life. To die a real sacrificial death for us. And to raise again over death to give us power over the grave. That's his divine attribute as well. But yes, he was fully man, but also fully God. And that he wielded power over creation. That he stopped a storm with a snap of his fingers. With a word from his mouth. That he healed the sick. That he raised the dead. This is God living amongst us when Jesus was on the earth. Jesus was fully God as he fulfilled prophecy that had been going on years before he got there. He fulfilled that prophecy before their very eyes. Jesus being fully God as he knew what was in the hearts of the people that he was speaking to. I love that one. I don't know that. I know there are general things, but Jesus could stand before a group of people and meet eyes with them and know what they had done yesterday and what they will do tomorrow. Know the thoughts that are going on through their head if they're focused or if they're really listening or not. Jesus knew that because Jesus is God. Jesus not only dealt with all these things, but he dealt with, with forgiveness of sins. Jesus, as God, was dealing with people standing before God. This is because Jesus is God. And the gospel writers, when they were beginning to put these things down on paper, they didn't just include stories of his wonderment. They didn't just include stories of his healing and calming the storm and all those things. They actually recorded the words that he said because the words that he said authenticated his claims. Did you know that 50% of the gospels are the words in red? 50% of the gospels are the words out of Jesus's mouth. Now, Israel's teachers were a little bit different. We're going to read about that in verses 28 and 29. If you'll read that with me, the scripture says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed. Now watch that again. They're not just amazed at the miracles. It says that the crowds were amazed at what? At his teaching. For he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Israel's teachers 
customarily quoted historical leaders. Israel's teachers during that time would quote people from the past to add credibility to the present. They would quote people that would bring credibility to their message. This is just like you and I are taught to do when we start writing papers. We're taught taught to cite our sources, to bring in expert opinions, expert thought from people that have done this before. You include that in your papers, you cite it, so it brings truth and credibility to your work. But would you know this, that Jesus never quoted anybody else? Jesus never quoted any, any other feature, any other outside sources, because when the truth belongs to you, you don't have to bring anybody else in. So this is important because they included not only all the cool stuff Jesus did, but they brought in his words because this, when you read the scripture today, in just a moment, this is the voice of God. Now let that wash over you again as we're getting back into church. When we read these words, these words in red, this is the voice of God about to speak over us. To reject the scriptures to what? To reject God. To distance yourself from the scripture is to distance yourself from God. We talk about how frustrating the word social distancing is. Some of us social distance from God from Sunday to Sunday. Because the only time we ever hear his voice is when we come in and we sit down. And we'll see you next Sunday again, God. We'll see what you have for us that week. So we've been distancing ourselves the entire seven days. By the time we hear him again. So to reject scripture is to reject God. To distance ourselves from scripture is to distance ourselves from God. This is the voice of God. Remind ourselves of that. Again, I make the statement. The weight of these words and the impact that they have depend upon who you believe the author to be. Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 through 27. The Bible says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house. It will not collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house. It will collapse with a mighty crash. These are the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. This is the message to believers that if you are a part of the kingdom of God, you better act like it. That's what God was saying in the last couple of chapters, that this is how one lives and believes on this earth as a member of the kingdom of God. And as Jesus begins to close out this sermon, which is what he's doing here in Matthew chapter 7, As he begins to close out this message, he begins to make distinctions. If you look back in verses 21 through 23, he identifies true disciples, those that he knows, and then lawbreakers, those that he does not know. That's what the scripture says. And then in verses 24 through 27, this is when Jesus begins to distinguish those who are his, the wise, and those who are not his, the foolish. Which means if you claim to know God, you better act like you know. That's what he's really saying. Because God doesn't act foolishly. So if you, if you know God, you will act wise and you will do that repeatedly, consistently because you know exactly who you is. You've given weight and value to his voice. 24 and 25, the scripture says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds his house 
on solid rock. Now, the first thing to note in these verses is the first word of these verses, the word anyone, anyone. Man, if you understand what that word means, you'd be so grateful for it. That means you who are underneath the sound of my voice this morning are eligible for redemption. You are eligible for salvation, for forgiveness, for new life. But it doesn't just mean you that's sitting here on Sunday morning. It means everybody out there that's driving by. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. This is a word to be thankful for. Because when you look up the biblical meaning of the word anyone, you will find the meaning of anyone. All. Every. Any. Your translation may say whosoever. The whosoever wills. God sees everyone as whosoever. I'm so glad I'm a whosoever. I'm so glad the scripture says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That all, that any, that every. The scripture says in Matthew chapter 7 verse 8, for everyone that asks receives. Everybody. This is why we have missionaries in places that we can't even tell you. This is why they're all over the world and all over the place. Because the gospel's inclusive. The gospel's the most inclusive thing in the world. God's love and his grace and forgiveness and mercy and standard is for every single person that you know and every single person that you don't know. God's grace and standard and wisdom and security for building their structures is for every single person you agree with, every single person on TV that you give credit to, and every single person that you don't. This is who he is. If you don't like it, you need to take it up with him. I didn't come up with this. This is the heart of God, that, that it is not God's, God's desire that any should perish, but that how many? All should come to repentance. That all should. So again, as we lead into that verse, there's something that we should take note of here. While this is an all-inclusive invitation from God to everyone that includes especially you, and that is an invitation to God's wisdom and security, an invitation that is, by the way, without prejudice and without favoritism. This is not just for the Jew. It's also for the Gentile, but everybody in between. While we think about how all-inclusive this invitation is, you should also know that God's invitation to the world is not without terms. And they're terms according to who he is. Now, what does that mean? Y'all can all come to my house, but if you got mud on your boots, you're going to have to deal with that mud before you come in the house. See, that's, that's the thing that we cannot overlook. We talk about God and his invitation to everyone, and that's awesome, and it is awesome. But sometimes we forget that God has terms. And again, it's one of those things where, well, what if I don't agree with God's terms? Well, then you don't agree, but God is God, and it don't matter what you think. And that's the place we have to get when we're talking about God. God has terms, and so if we were to come before a holy God with mud in our soul, with sin in our life, it cannot happen. We have to come to God on his terms, and there's no amount of work that we can do to clean ourselves. To cleanse our heart, to cleanse our life, to clean up before a holy God. That's the bad news. But the good news is that God did all that cleaning for us. And God gave of himself and he sent his pure and perfect son to be the sacrifice for us. So that we could have a right and real relationship with God because he gave the sacrifice that we needed to make our heart and soul and mind clean once again. So yes, we're all welcome at the foot of the cross. That's the thing we, that's, that's very common right now that Christians are holding on to. And it's a good word that we're all welcome at the foot of the cross, but the cross deals with sin. That the cross is, is, is entering into God's wisdom and security. 
The cross deals with who we are so that we can come to terms with who he is. Anyone, the Bible says, anyone can come to God. You just got to know this morning, if you're sitting in here or you're listening on TV or live stream or however you're getting this, you've still got to come to God on his terms. And his terms are that you would seriously repent of your sin and simply turn to God by calling upon the name of Jesus. Scripture says anyone, and then it says anyone who what? Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Anyone who listens and follows is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. If we want to build our structures, if we want to build our homes, our churches, our businesses, our teams, our groups, if we want to build on a solid foundation that honors God, that will be successful, that will outlast ourselves, it's real simple. Jesus said, you must listen to his teaching and follow it. Isn't that something? Again, God makes it real plain. And you may say this morning, well, we're here, aren't we? We're listening, aren't we? And that's a good point. And that's 50% of it. And we are here, and that's good. And listening has merit. Coming to church and Bible study, listening to pastors preach, listening to Christian podcasts, listening to your Word for You Today devotions, however you read and study the Bible. Yes, Lord, we're listening, and that's wonderful. But listening is a means to an end. You're just getting started when you're listening. That's 50% of it. It's wedding season. And, and I officiated my first wedding for this season yesterday. This will be the first of about three or four, I think, that I've got lined up. And, and Brittany and I, my wife and I have, have had God's grace over our marriage and, and we've also had the, the calling to minister to young couples as they are about to enter to that next chapter for many of them that is marriage. And so they'll contact us about being married and on a certain day and all these kinds of things. And of course I'm like, oh, that's great, but we need to do some premarital counseling before you get to the day, right? And so we want to talk about things that matter. Some of you in here have actually sat with us on some of those conversations, which is very cool. Um, and, and so you, you were able to sit down with a young couple and it's so sweet because they're just sitting as close as they can beside each other and look like they just stepped out of a Hallmark movie, man. Like they just love each other, right? And then there's a little bit of distance when you start talking about things that kind of get at them. But, but anyway, they, they, I love this part of the ministry that we get to do. And the reason is because you've got two people that are wanting to start one life and they know in order for it to go the distance and in order for it to mean something, they're building a structure in order for it to be up to code and to last that they've got to start with a foundation on Jesus Christ. And I love it. I love it because they're so eager to do that once it starts. But here's what we know. We know that the determination of what you built upon is not when you're listening in premarital counseling. The determination of what you built on comes when that first rainstorm blows through. That's when we find out what the foundation is made of. It's not when we're listening, it's if we're following. That is the distinction that's been made in the scripture. The proof that we are wise in our structures, the proof that we're wise in, in all of the things that we are part of building up is not found in the listening, it's found in the living. And how many times have we been to church, been to a conference, been to a clinic? How many times have we been to even a counseling session? We've heard wisdom, we've taken pages of notes. We even talked about how good it was to somebody else. We said amen five or six, seven times. 
and the notes never left the page to our life. There's been no implementation because we were listening, but we didn't follow. And that's why the scripture says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. I love it when the Bible makes it plain in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus said, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? (laughs) I love that. Jesus is like, you guys know what Lord means, right? Y'all know that Lord means master and controller. But when I say things, I'm not master or controller. So why do you keep calling me Lord? Now think about this church in 2020. When we pray even around the dinner table, how do we begin? Dear what? Lord. Dear Lord, why do you keep calling me Lord when you don't do the things I tell you to do? The wisdom and security is not found in the listening. The wisdom and the security is found in the listening and the following. James chapter 1 verse 22 But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. That's what the Bible says. You can make all these claims about who you are. You can say it all day long. But the difference between obedience and not, the difference between wisdom and foolishness is listening and following. You can't really believe that we want to build godly structures in our lives if we're just sitting in church but living in sin. We can say that that's what we're doing, but again, we're just deceiving ourselves. And the answer, when we hear preaching like this, the answer is not, you're right, man, what's the use of this? I ain't even going to come back on Sunday. No, 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 because listening is 50% of it. At least you're getting 50%. That's why I like coming into church on Wednesday nights, just to be quite honest with you. I like Wednesday nights because God gets the chance to get in the middle of your stuff, the middle of your week. He gets to, at least, we have at least a chance to hear what he's saying. Can I get some preventative stuff going in here today? If in our marriages, in our homes, in our businesses, in our professional or personal life, if, if things start not going well, the worst thing you can do is not come into this place. Even knowing you know what I'm going to say when you get here. That I spent a lot of time in college doing that. I knew what the guy was going to say before I even showed up. I knew God was going to have me by the heart before I left. But I knew I needed to be there. So now, let me just tell you now, before things get this way, and you're thinking it's no use. Yes, it is, because you'll at least give God a shot at you before you leave. Don't stop coming to this place. Don't stop tuning in. Don't stop reading the Bible. Listening is half of it. So let's talk about the other half. How then do we listen and follow? Well, what did we say on the front? The answer to that goes back to the value that you give the voice. If you believe your own feelings more than you believe God, you're going to get what you pay for. If we believe our own feelings, if we believe other voices that seem to make sense, y'all, you can watch a, a comedy sketch on TV and think, that's true right there. You be careful with that. That's true. It is. That sounds true. According to who? According to how we feel. You've got to be careful to the voices that you're bringing in. If your voice means more than God's voice, your structure will be as good as the builder. I have, uh, I, I grew up, well, I'll just put it this way. Uh, we didn't do much fishing growing up. Thought it would be something cool to do. You know, when my dad and I went fishing, or my granddad and I went fishing, it was like a cane pole, right? Put a worm on a hook, threw it in there, and that was it. Didn't do a whole lot of it, so I don't know a lot about it. And, and now that we've had this break in the action that has been the coronavirus, it's actually given some sort of an opportunity for, for our family to do certain things like that. 
So, and even my son and I have had some fun in, in the last month or two, just being able to go down to a friend of mine, we fish and things like that. But we've gone once or twice and like, it's, it's like my son and I both know that they're like, you don't know what you're doing. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I can even fake it. Right. So, so how, uh, I called a friend of mine who, who does know all that he's doing. I said, man, I'm just going to lay it out there to you. I said, I don't know what I'm doing at all. And I had to humble myself because I'm 30 years old. <laughs> And I knew that he would receive it well and that he would teach and instruct me while also later uh, giving it to me in front of other friends, right? And be like, yeah, man, you don't even own a tackle box, you know, things like that. So, and I knew that was coming, but still I asked him if he would do that. And he said, I'll, I'll teach you whatever you want to know, man. Come on down. So we got there and I'm, I am like the typical greenhorn fisherman. I went into academy, bought stuff that I probably shouldn't have bought, you know, I'm there lined up and I'm asking folks like questions and they're like, yeah, this is called a rod and reel and you do this, you know? Um, and, and so bought a couple fishing poles and I'm getting them rigged up and all that. So I go down to the river and my buddy's there and, and he's like, uh, well, all right, man, well, let me, let's start this. You got a hook on the line. That's good. See, so you put a hook on the line. Awesome. But you know, you need to put a couple other things on there first. So he's teaching me about the bobber. He's teaching me about the weight and all these things. And so he's teaching me step by step. This is how you do it. Whether I acknowledge that I don't know what I'm doing it or not. He's teaching me all these things. And and so I'm appreciative of it. And then that's over with. And next time it's my time. Does that make sense? So we've got one rod and reel going. And the next time it's my time. Well, here's what I have a choice between when it comes to the next rod and reel. I can do what the authoritative voice that I've given myself over to, I can let him guide the way that I do this next one, or I can go with, oh, this will probably be all right. And that's what we do. Ah, this will probably get it. I know this is not what he said, but. See, that's, that's where we actually get in life. We've been taught, or we've actually gone to the authority, to show us what to do. And then in a moment of decision between listening and following, we give more value to our voice than we do to God's voice. So this is why the scripture speaks to surrender. This is why the scripture speaks to yielding. This is why the scripture speaks to dying to self. This is why the scripture speaks to letting. We need to be good letters. You know what that means? And the scripture says you need to let the Holy Spirit control your life. We need to be really good at letting. Which means when we're faced with a moment of decision that has to do with the foundation of our structures, that we would let God have his way even above the voices that are screaming at us. Because we believe his voice to have more weight than ours. And that's the difference between listening and following. That's the difference between wisdom and foolishness. And the scripture says that if we'll do that, you won't collapse. Man, that, that is a promise of God. You will not collapse. The scripture says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds on a house or builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. It will not come down. When we listen and we follow, we build on bedrock. Now, if you look up that word bedrock in the scripture, it doesn't just mean pea gravel. It means a mass of it, a mass of solid rock, not just a little bit of gravel here and sand mixed in, not just we're going to throw in a few scriptures and a couple prayers and call it church. 
This is when we are building, setting our foundation and our sights on Jesus Christ and his word. This is a solid foundation that will not be moved by unpredictable elements. No matter what comes, you will not collapse because you have a concentration, a buildup of truth under your feet. I had someone tell me the other day, we were talking about church. Talking about the cancel culture. The cancel culture is too easy now, man. You make one false step and it's all over with. We've seen some of those things happen to other churches in recent days. You make one false step or one thing you didn't intend to be one way and it is and all these things. And the cancel culture is what it is. People just write you off. And that's sad and sometimes it's often true. But in a moment of faith, I thought about the church and I thought about what God's word says about the church and what it's built on. And I said to him, I said, brother... The gates of hell won't even get us. And that's what the Bible says. This church, think about what we've just been through. We've gone through a couple of months where we didn't even see each other face to face. Going through a worldwide pandemic. There's fires in cities and social unrest and all these things. And here we are again. You just keep showing up. God keeps working. People being baptized. That's because the church and that structure will not fall because it's built on the truth of Jesus the Christ. And that's the way it's going to be. Amen. That's the way it's going to be. Now, I love that because that's who we are in here. What we have to decide is the structures we're a part of building outside of here. Because the truth still stands. If you would build your family, your business, your team, your group on the wisdom and security of God's truth, you will not collapse. Now, there may be times where it's mowed down, but that foundation's still going to be there. You will not collapse, the Bible says. You don't see what kind of foundation you have when it's 65 degrees outside in sunshine. You see what kind of foundation you have when there's tornado, torn, tornado. That sounds like something you order at lunch. You see what kind of foundation there is when there's tornado sirens blaring and the storms are bearing down. That's when you just take that point out and throw it out because nobody heard anything else. You know, but when the the storm's bearing down and, and your house is in jeopardy and then after it's all over, it's still standing and then you can even build on top of that. That's when the master builder gets the glory. Because you can then give credit to who built it, not to your work in the house, but who actually laid the foundation. See, what we're living in right now, the storms, the rains, the floodwaters, and all the things that those represent in the world, what we're living in are opportunities for us to show the world that we won't collapse even if it gets shaky because we're built on truth. And it's not if, it's when those storms will come. Amen? It's not if, but when those storms get there. Make no mistake, temptation is coming. For some of us, we've already been through temptation before we even got here this morning. It's not if loss is coming. I can guarantee you loss is in the forecast. It's coming. Suffering is coming. Emotional distress, health issues, bad decisions, sickness and stress. These storms are coming. But so often life is not about what you do. Life is about what you do next. And when you are living in God's wisdom, you can stand. And even if you have to rebuild, the foundation will be sure and still be there. You will not collapse. So yes, God has given us his truth to listen to. 
His wisdom to listen to, but it must be followed. And when we listen and when we follow, we're building structures that are going to be up to code, that will not collapse, that are going to live longer than we do and stand for something greater than what we could come up with. Let's talk about rebuilding for a moment because sometimes that's where we are. We've already built and it was a mess. And so we need to rebuild. Do you know there are companies out there that help not just rebuild your home, but they reestablish foundations. They'll put something underneath the foundation. They'll build it up and level it off and all these things. And I came across one of those companies, was reading about them. And this is what their website said. It said, reasons to repair the foundation of your home. Now, I want you to think of your home as a structure, the church, the business, the team, the group, rebuilding the foundation of your home. It says, this is the reasons why you need to. Number one, it said, to preserve the value. So that people see it. For, for what it is and hold it in high regard and find it valuable to the structures that need reestablishing. They need it because we need to prevent future damage. Now listen to that. Said ongoing issues means more damage over time. What are the things that you're going through now that you need to deal with now and quit treating them like they're not a big deal? Because they're just little cracks that are going to lead to a complete demise of your structure. What are the things that you need to deal with? For, for your family, that, that may mean that you're not communicating and you need to start talking. If you don't start talking, the house is going to burn down, not literally, but figuratively. This may mean that in your, in your business or in your team or your group that you've got people you need to deal with and have hard conversations because they're a cancer in the culture. And you need to have that conversation because it seems like a small problem you don't want to deal with. And as my former senior pastor told me, sometimes you don't know how it's going to go, but it's got to go. Amen. You need to deal with it. So it, it, this is this is the wisdom. This is the truth that that God gives to prevent future damage. You need to get ahead of it. Of these little ongoing issues that are dismissed. And thirdly, it said that if, if there's a reason to repair the foundation of your home for your own peace of mind, my word, deal with it so that you can rest easy at night, knowing that your structure will be there in the morning. Yes, building a foundation happens on the beginning end of a structure, but it's never too late to rebuild with God. That's the thing I think is sometimes you, you come across families, come across people that are thinking, we're just too far gone. I just don't think there's any amount of help that, that we could have that would actually repair it. So what you're saying is that God Almighty can do all that we've just said in his miracles, but he can't put your structure back together. Now, I will say this. If you're involved in a structure that you're trying to build, whatever it is you're involved in trying to build, and there's two of you working towards the same thing, if one of you on one page and the other one's on another, that is going to be hard. And that's why you've got to work together on the front end to make sure that there's a foundation there. There's got to be buy-in from the leadership of whatever structure we're building for it to be considered godly. And there's got to be people coming together underneath the truth. But for us to say that it's too far gone, we have belittled our view of God. We have just put God in some kind of size box that says, you're big enough to do all this, but you can't do this. No matter where you are. Let me bring this thought from the sister passage of our scripture today to help reestablish some foundation of the structure you're building. Luke chapter 6, verse 48. Again, a synonymous passage to Matthew chapter 7. Luke 6, 48 says, it's like a person who builds a house. Now listen to this part. Who digs deep. And lays the foundation on solid rock. Who digs down deep. 
Now I've read where it was a common practice in this part of the world for a new home dweller to dig down as many as 30 feet to establish foundation on bedrock. That would go down 30 feet to establish a foundation where they could build up arches. And sometimes it's not that we don't have the desire for God to begin a work in us. It's that we didn't dig deep enough in our own responsibility. In our own responsibility, we didn't dig, didn't dig deep enough. Again, remember what I talked about earlier about how sometimes we quote other people to reinforce the truth? I'm going to do that right now for you. As I've already shown and just quoting Brother Dusty, I'm going to quote Brother Tim at Plymouth Baptist. Brother Tim said something one time I'll never forget. He said, 30-year-old men shouldn't be praying three-year-old prayers. Which means we're trying to build adult structures that last through all this spiritual warfare on a VBS education. We have vacation Bible school for our children to lay those initial steps of foundation. The reason why sometimes we can't get people to serve in the children's ministry is because they're intimidated that they don't know enough. Come on. Are you hearing? That's one of the reasons why we don't do it. Is because some kid may ask us a question that we don't know. Well, how about this? How about we be honest about who we are and start getting a shovel and dig a little deeper? And get the answers to our questions so that we can help bring somebody up. The reason why it's falling apart is because we don't know the answers to the spiritual warfare we're facing. We can't even see it when it comes. It's because we've not dug into a deep foundation. We've just got a little bit of scripture sprinkled into something we want to do big and bad. But it's not going to be because we don't have the foundation there. In regards to your personal responsibility to seek. Again, you can't establish adult-sized structures on child-sized learning. When we stop learning, that's as good as we're going to get. You should know the passage today as we close, and we are closing. You should know that the passage today is meant for our building structures in the here and now. It's for what we're dealing with, absolutely. This is for wisdom and security and what we're building now, but it's also relative to divine judgment. Don't miss that. The passage of scripture that we're dealing with is both and. It's both earthly principle, yes, but it's also about eternal truth. If you read in Isaiah chapter 30 and in different places throughout the scripture, rain and floodwaters and wind, they're used multiple times in scripture in connection with the judgment of God. God's eternal judgment. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 30 says, and the Lord will make his majestic voice heard. He will display strength on his mighty arm, and it will descend like a devouring flame with cloud bursts and thunderstorms and huge hailstorms. That's what the Bible says. So this has everything to do with God's eternal judgment as well. And did we all know that one day we're going to die something? One day it's all over with, and this is why the God of the Bible is getting us to think about death. The scripture says that a wise person thinks a lot about death, that it's better to spend your time at funerals than at parties because it's sobering and the living take this to heart. That's what it says in Ecclesiastes. So at some point, it's going to come for all of us and we need to think about what we're building on. Are you sure of your foundation? If there's any question of your foundation, one day we will stand before the holy God and who we are. And if we've not turned from ourselves and turned to God by his way of making us right, by placing our faith in Jesus and turning from ourselves and turning to him, we will stand wrong before God. The scripture says that we did not get to 
When the rains come and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, when judgment comes, it'll collapse with a mighty crash is what it says. That's the truth of God's word. Not just for today, but also for eternity. But hear the promise, church. When we believe and build on Christ, you will not collapse. Now or in eternity. Thank God Almighty. So today, this is what I would pose to you as we're getting ready to leave. Brother Eric's going to come. And I'm going to offer to you what we offer every Sunday. If God is speaking to your heart this morning and you know you need to get something right, you need to take the next steps. So if you need to be saved today or maybe you want us to pray for you or maybe there's something you're dealing with that we can help with, there's, there's four ways that you can respond. Again, we're going to get back to this altar. Lord have mercy sometime soon because we need to be on our knees before God. There, there, are, there are four ways that you can respond before we actually get there. The first one is very simple. If you don't know how church goes, man, we got the plan for you. The first one is you can take out your phone right now and you can text LLBC, LLBC to 31996. There's a short form that helps you work through your next steps. You fill that out in less than three minutes. We got it and we're going to take it from there. All you got to do is text LLBC to 31996. But there will be pastors at the door today. You can wait till the crowd thins. You can walk up to one of those pastors and you can just say, I need to be saved. And it may not be saved. It may be, I need to be baptized or to join the church. Very simple statement. We'll help take it from there. Or you can talk to us on the phone tomorrow or today you can send an email. Either way, four ways that you can respond. However you want to get a hold of us, get a hold of us because we want to help you. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the crowd here today. We thank you for those attending our church live stream. We thank you for your word. And we've heard it. But God, I also pray that we would follow through, that we give more weight and value to your voice than to any other voice that we would hear. Lord, as Brother Eric comes to close us out, to turn our attentions to some things that are going on with the church and the days to come, Lord, help us to be mindful of your work in the world and invested in what you have going on. We thank you again for every person that's here. And I pray in the name of Jesus over one or many that is dealing with conviction, dealing with something that they need to get right. Oh, God, that they would simply and seriously turn to you. In Jesus' name, amen.